If I like it, it's mine. If it's in my hand, it's mine. This is a list from the Creative Keepsakes magazine. If I can take it from you, it's mine. If I had it a little while ago, it's mine. These are, will this surprise you, the top ten rules for toddlers. <laughs> yeah. If it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. If I'm doing or building something, all the pieces are mine. If it looks just like mine, it is mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. If you are playing with something and you put it down, it automatically becomes mine. If it's broken, it's yours. <laughs> Why are toddlers so intensely interested in what is and is not theirs? Because they are working out independence. How do you be independent? But it's not just toddlers. Teenagers <laughs> really struggle with independence. They come out of the dressing room at the store wearing something that no other human eye should ever be forced to see. And you don't even have to say anything. You know, the look is enough. Well, it's my body and I'll put whatever I want on it. Not as long as I'm paying for it, you won't. <laughs> be home by ten. It's my life. I'll come home whenever I want. Not as long as you're coming home to my house. There were days when I really understood Bill Cosby's dad. I brought you into this world and I can take you out. <laughs> yeah. Toddlers and teenagers can be pretty incredibly selfish in their attempts to grasp independence. And so, oh, can we... <laughs> So how do we work out our independence? How do we understand our independence as followers of Jesus Christ? Well, we could start with our dependence. Like teens and toddlers, our lives are actually defined more by dependence than by independence. And our primary dependence is on, into God. The first of our five points today is also the beginning of our understanding of dependence. You could call it the genesis of the concept. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All things are created. And all those things are created by God. So God made the house. Okay? And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. But he didn't just make the house, which is significantly beyond most of us who just bought the house or just rented the house. God was the designer, as well as the supplier, and the foreman, and, thank you very much, the builder. Okay? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. It was all made by Him. He owns it all. We live in His house. And very much like teens and tots, 
We are utterly dependent on Him for all we have and need and want, for that matter. If God created all things, then it logically follows that we are created. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. If God created us, both male and female, then we belong to Him. It's not your life. It's not my life. We didn't make our lives. They don't belong to us. But wait, didn't God give us our lives to live however we want? Really? Where did you read that? (laughs) Our lives were never given to us to live however we like. I mean, sure, humans are allowed to live their lives the wrong way and pay the consequences, some of which are eternal and some of which are temporal. They last as long as we do on this earth. Even sometimes uh, ending a person's time on this earth. (laughs) I mean, if anybody could say, I brought you into this world and I can take you out, it would be God, wouldn't it? It's not your life. It never was. Which brings us to a sub-point of our first point. If we are created, then we are finite. 3,000 years ago, a very wise man wrote, When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes sleep, see sleep, then I saw all the work of God that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. Anybody who says, I got a bead on what God wants in life, is an idiot. Okay? That's (laughs) what he's saying there. Yeah, but that's the Old Testament. We live in the church age. The Holy Spirit lives in us so we can know God's plan. Well, maybe some little part of it, but... Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been His counselor or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. Within that strange exception to the rule we call inspired scripture, (laughs) we find that we cannot know the mind of God apart from the Scripture. And a little extra, which we've dealt with at other times. We cannot counsel God. can't really help Him figure it out. We can't give anything to God that He didn't already give to us. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. God created all things. The second point to understanding dependence is that God sustains us and he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Albert Einstein and most any other physicist would tell you that the most important rules to understanding the physical universe are the first and second laws of thermodynamics. The first is that nothing can come into existence or cease to exist without a cause We've already said that God is the cause, creator of all things. The second is entropy. Everything tends to disorder. The teenager has a bedroom. You know this to be true. Okay? 
the useful energy of all things is winding down. Everything is getting cold. To say it one more way, all nature needs to be held together. Of Jesus, the writer said, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. We are dependent on him for our continued existence. It has often been said, if God blinked, the universe would cease to exist. Fortunately, it is not in the nature of God to blink. But, anthropological metaphors aside, it is true that the universe exists only because it is the will of God for it to continue to exist. And while we're at this, let's recognize that the nature of things being what they are, we are dependent on Him for any good that is in the world. Paul wrote this apparent enigma. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. There will come a time when evil on this earth will overwhelm good. This is a time christened the tribulation when the Holy Spirit will let the world go. It will be the worst time in earth's history. Good will be scarce. Evil will predominate. All right. All that is was created by God. Thus, we are created, we are finite, and in this world we are dependent on God for the good in our lives. All of which leads us to our third dependence point. We are fallen. And God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. When God was done creating, he declared that all that is was created good. But with the potential for being perverted into evil, the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. God allows the possibility of humans to declare independence in a wholly unhealthy way, or not. And temptation arrives. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Don't trust God. Don't be dependent on Him. You can be independent. Trust yourself. Trust me. <laughs> so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. It was good as food. Okay. Except that God said no. It looked good. You know, pretty stuff. All right. When did God say otherwise? But then there's that hollow promise that it would bring them to wisdom just like God. Oops. Never be wise in your own sight. <laughs> wise in our own eyes. Remember this one? Keep your laws off my body. I know what's best for me. But it's not your body. It never was. And no, you don't know what's best for you. <laughs> 
Well, there's much sadness that flows from all this. And it started here. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Now they know evil by experience. And know they need to hide from it, be protected from it, which means to be protected from each other. And, of course, they need to cover up their guilt, their innate evil. For now guilt and evil permeate their being. And as their offspring, ours. And it gets even worse. And just as it appointed for a man to die once, after that comes the judgment. It doesn't end when we die. We will always exist. You know what? Like that? Scared of each other? Constantly certain that things will end badly? Oh, we have time for some good news here. God has a plan that will make possible the redemption of man out of his own sin. It starts kind of strangely, though. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever... God did not want humans to live in the filth of their sin, so he drives them away from the tree of life and he makes sure that they die. Okay. <laughs> well, two subpoints in this. First, we need redemption. Covering it all up isn't a real answer. You know, fig leaves just won't cut it. Pretending nothing is wrong won't cut it. How can we get out of this mess we got ourselves into? Well, to say it shortly, we can't. But God, who brought you into this world, can take you out of it. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. God himself, through Jesus Christ, provides redemption. And for many, this will one day be realized. It will actually happen. But we must now consider the second sub-point concerning our being fallen. There will be a day when our choices will be fixed eternally. After that comes judgment. The joy of those who lean on the everlasting arms in absolute dependence will become an eternal, overwhelming joy. Our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Dependence on God is superior to independence because He will take better care of us than we ever could all by our little selves. If he created all things, could he not recreate them? If we are finite and he is infinite, do we really think we have more resources than he does? <laughs> this thing of our position of dependence being made permanent is great news for us. <sighs> but what of the fate of those who pretend independence? Demand independence. 
What are those who trust only themselves? They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. It is a sad, sad truth that we all know people who will eternally reject God's care, demanding independence even from their Creator. And we don't know who they are. Okay, sometimes we got a pretty good clue. <laughs> but we don't know all the plan of God. We do know that some on whom we lay eyes in any given day are men and women with hollow chests. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. They can see the truth. Enough to know their need for God. They choose not to be dependent. Now, and forever. And absolutely human dependence, it's like a 20-story facade for a building whose foundations have never been poured. It's not real. They don't understand that. Nor do they understand that no one, no one need trust that superficial illusion of reality. Anyone can own citizenship in heaven awaiting Christ Jesus who will transform their lowly body into one like His glorious body once things are subject to Him as they should be. Alright, point four. The we, not me, of dependence. Have you ever heard that expression, keep your ear to the ground? I just love that one. It gives me this incredible mental picture of a person with an ear sticking down to the... I don't know, it just, it's just this funny picture in my mind. It's kind of like a caricature, you know, a cartoonish image where some feature of a person is grossly overemphasized. So let's have some fun and, and look at a few of them. We'll start with my hero. Anybody? Albert Einstein, that's right, that's right. And then there's a very famous TV personality. Yep, Oprah Winfrey and an actor-turned-politician. There he is. Arnold! Mr. I'll be back. How about a talented musician? You recognize this guy? B.B. King. There he is, B.B. King. And then we get to the whole reason for showing you these characters. The all-ears man himself. Will Smith. There he is, ladies and gentlemen. Isn't that great? <laughs> I just love that picture. Caricatures can be funny precisely because they overemphasize one aspect of an individual's body or character. But if real life were like that, it would be sad. Twisted. <laughs> so what does all this have to do with our dependence? For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. We are not just individuals. We are part of a body. The body. Now you are 
the body of Christ and individually members of it. So if one member of the body is overemphasized like some great big ears, it can be funny or grotesque. Even July the 4th, Independence Day, is not about individual independence. It's about one group of people becoming independent from another group of people. There was a day when those of us who believed joined a group of people declaring our dependence on Christ. Our Dependence Day is as much about we as it is me. Because we are all one body. We are dependent on each other. We're not all ears or eyes or feet or hands or any of one thing. It's not about any one person in the body. So amongst other things, we have to pay careful attention to Paul's admonition to the fledgling church in Rome. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. And not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. Now wait, wouldn't it be better to emphasize the strong, you know, to accentuate the positive? Not when we are dependent on Christ. We are the body of Christ. Each individual member is the body of Christ, true. But don't let us forget that we are created and sustained in our finite fallen state, redeemed to be one people, one body. Which brings us to our very last point. It's related to our being one. It's related to our love for those who are not yet assured of the joy that will last forever. Not yet members of the body. We are dependent on God to grow the church. The Apostle Paul was a man given great revelations and visions. He was a man who talked with Jesus face to face when Jesus had already ascended to heaven, okay? (laughs) But also a man given some physical limitation of a significant nature. He asked Jesus three times to heal him, But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul was content with not just his physical limitations, but all that stuff that happened to him because he was excited to see the church grow. He knew what Jesus said, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Is there not someone you love who needs the redemption that only Christ can give? Do you care enough about that person to be weak? Do you care enough to live in Christ 
absolutely dependent on him so that you can show them how to live in Christ. We can do nothing of eternal significance unless we do it in Christ. We must have our minds on heaven, the new heaven and earth, the new creation where all things are perfect and joy overwhelms us. I know, I know, I heard this all the time. You can become so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Well, I think that might be better than being so earthly minded that you're no heavenly good. So, can you explain how a person becomes dependent on God? Explain it to someone who is not yet dependent on God. Can you explain why she or he should be? Well, what will we conclude? First, we are always dependent on God. (laughs) In fact, it's a sin to pretend independence. And certainly it's a sin to demand independence. We are created, we are finite, we are sustained by God. Every breath is a gift from God. And we are fallen. Our natural tendency is to reject the care of our Creator. To trust ourselves rather than Him. And we would be eternally lost but for God's great care for us. His redemption of all those who will depend on Him. And our dependence is a group dependence. Not just that we are dependent together on God, but that we are dependent on each other as well. We are one body. And especially the strong need to care for the weak. And if we want those we love to experience this wonderful dependence on our Creator, we must live in Christ. For He and He alone can bring growth through us. We are dependent on Him to grow His church. This church. He desires we as much as me. The greatest day to celebrate for any of us is our dependence day. The day we accepted the gift of Jesus Christ and gave up our independence. We need to ask people, could this be the day when you could Declare dependence. 